In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. We're back, and hopefully you guys had an amazing weekend. But uh, Joined by my boy, Ian Wright, right, right. How are you, my son? I'm good, I'm good. The weekend is over. The NFL season is moving on to its next phase, obviously moving into the combine. So it is combine week for all the people out there, which generally tends to be good for data metric guys like yourself, huh, Jack? Yeah, no, so. Oh, it's a really important time because I dropped on Sunday, I believe it was, updated age guardrails for everyone. Um, but then the, the second big part of that is the relative athletic score, which um, math bomb drops, obviously based on combine data. So, um, yeah, lots of uh, interesting information. Absolutely. Well, the Browns actually did make a little bit of a headline through the off or through this offseason. So we won't go too much into this but uh they brought on bill musgrave the long time you know coach in about every different position known to man what are your kind of initial thoughts on musgrave so um i'm i'm happy with that appointment if i'm honest um they brought in somebody there is old links to chemist fans and it's not someone that how often do you actually get one of these Hey, a Jim Schwartz is hired as a defensive assistant. You don't get many of those across the entire NFL. So they've brought someone else in. Useful. Good news. Um, he had good shotgun numbers, I believe, at college last year, which if they want to go to shotgun, that's probably a smart thing for Kevin Stefanski to do. Go, actually, shotgun's not my bread and butter. Let's bring in somebody that's got good experience and can be a sounding block. So that's for me, probably why that decision made. There's part of this other move that I do dislike, but I'll let you chat on Bill Musgrave first. Well, the thing with Musgrave is this is a guy that's just been around the league for a long time. And for those that don't know, his most recent stop was at the University of California with Justin Wilcox, where he was in charge of developing quarterbacks and was running the offense. It's not the worst thing in the world. I know a lot of times people are like, oh, it's a college thing, blah, blah, blah. But before that, Bill Musgrave has been in the NFL since 1997. You know, whether it was with the Raiders as a quarterback's coach, with the Eagles as an offensive coordinator, the Panthers as an offensive coordinator is running the quarterbacks as well. Then he did a quick stint at college, went to Virginia. Then he worked with, and this is, I will just tell you this, every single stop, I'm not going to list this position, has either been as an offensive coordinator, a quarterback coach, a assistant head coach. So those are the only three positions he's held. And for the last 20 years, like I said, Raiders, Eagles, Panthers, Jaguars, Redskins, Falcons, Vikings, Eagles, Raiders, Broncos, Browns. So this is a guy that's been in the, it's not a, like a historical college coach. And the one thing about Musgrave is, is he's always been able to kind of, I mean, if you look at some of the dates and some of the quarterbacks he had, this is a guy whose specialty is developing quarterbacks. I know Alex Van Pelt is quote unquote going to be the quarterback coach 
and that Musgrave is going to be a senior offensive assistant. This to me, Jack, sounds like a move where they said, listen, Alex, we understand that you want to be quarterback coach and offensive coordinator. Why don't we just bring you in an assistant so you can kind of have a veteran guy who's been doing this for 20 plus years to help you out. Maybe can they work well together? I don't see the whole argument with what this doesn't evolve the offense. If I bring in a guy that's been working with quarterbacks for 20 plus years, I'm evolving the offense because as we know, Jack, the only thing that directly relates to evolving an offense is good quarterback play. No. So um, I think in a way it almost might be one where as Alex Pelt shifted down the line. You, you don't really know the answer to that. Um, because obviously, hasn't it been... sounds like they're just not replacing Petsick, and they're like Alex Van Pelt's gonna be like, "Listen, I've been working with the quarterbacks anyways. Just give me a, give me an extra hand, give me Musgrave." Yeah. So yeah, they're not replacing um, Petsick. It is staying as Alex Van Pelt getting the dual role. Mary Kay had that um, yesterday, I believe. So it's one that ideally I'd have liked someone young and upcoming that they could have tried to attract that job. But at the same time, if we're sat here going. A QB coach, Alex Van Pelt, Musgrave, and Kevin Stefanski. Too many cooks in the kitchen definitely sounds like um, a worrying case there. So I think there's an argument for you only really need two, maybe three people constantly chatting to the quarterback. And I think it gets excessive if you've got four. Well, I think um, I think ultimately Stefanski's now out. He's not going to work day-to-day with Watson. So Watson's going to work day-to-day with Musgrave and Van Pelt. No, but he's a big impact. My guess is Van Pelt is going to take over the development of the fundamentals. You know, we've talked about it quite a bit. Watson has a lot of fundamentals that need tweaked, whether it's his, you know, he has footwork in terms of being able to move them, but there's a, there's a lack of sync syncrasy or syncreosity or whatever that word is um, between his lower half and his upper half. They just don't blend. So if all of a sudden Musgrave is handling like the game planning and the developing of plays and stuff, and then Van Pelt's working on the mechanics that would make sense. Yeah, certainly sounds realistic. Um, interesting one that Jared um, tweeted out regarding the uh, defensive side of the ball. So Jared Mueller, um, he tweeted out around, because there's strong rumors, it looks like um, Desai is going to go to the Eagles. Um, and he said, keep an eye out for Denard Wilson, who interviewed for the Browns DC position, joining Schwartz's staff as DB coach could be after the combine, if at all. So um, certainly one that hey, makes a lot of sense. Schwartz is very uh, D-line focused. So bringing in someone with lots of experience to go, hey, you, you run the coverage. I'm going to trust and really delegate this to you. Um, it is sensible man management. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing was Ben Bloom moving up from uh, run game coordinator, working with the linebackers now to your defensive line coach. So they're keeping some consistency on that front as well. Yeah. Speaking so, of defense, Jack, I think we're here today to talk linebackers, the monsters of the midsection of the defense, the staples of any good Joe Woods defense. The only problem is Joe Woods is gone. So the question is, Jack, who are our linebackers and are they going to be as good? Well, first up, hopefully we keep Tarver as the linebacker coach. Done a really good job. Um, he's been given peanuts to work with every single year and got above average performance out of that unit. So, um, no, been really, really happy. Um, yeah, it got shaky last year. Let's not beat around the bush, but you show me a position room in the entire NFL 
that has four starters go out injured and isn't going to be a shaky mess um, because it's kind of just how it works. So based on the room, who's under contract next year? We've got four guys. So we've got JOK, Tony Fields, Jacob Phillips and Story Jackson. And then everyone else, your Tacky Tacky, Dion Jones, Anthony Walker, Jermaine Carter, Richie Raglan, Jordan Kunisic, Tay Davis, it's all free agents. Um, so we'll start with JOK first. He's above average, but he's not anything special at the same time. JFK is tough. Or JFK, JFK. JOK is tough because he's not your traditional linebacker. And I know that like he's a hot button, right? Because he's a fan favorite. What happened, Jack, is when he had a first round grade and fell to the second round, there was a nostalgia and a joy about we got a steal at this pick. So by him becoming a steal in the draft now, we overinflate what he's doing. I mean, I think in his entire two-year career, I think he has like two two fumble, two forced fumbles. Like I think that's the only stat line that we can really attribute it to him. And I did the same thing with Greg Newsom. And a lot of people say, oh, you can't go off stats and all this other stuff. He misses a lot of tackles. He's fast. He can get to a ball. He can punch balls out. Like I get it. And that's what you want out of a linebacker, but he's also a liability in certain cases. Cause if you're a run heavy team, you go right at him in his 230 pound self. So I get it. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm not advocating that we trade him right now. However, understand that there are some limitations with him. He is a very good player for specific roles. That's where I think the Browns defense, Joe Woods, Jason Tarver, you know, even Ben Bloom to an extent, put the linebackers in positions to succeed. That's what you need. I have no doubt that Jim Schwartz is going to look and go, okay, not my traditional linebacker. However, I can use him in these packages. Yeah, and I think it should... But I'm still not ready to give him an extension. No, and that's going to be the issue where it comes down to that, is he likely to be around in Cleveland long-term? I would say the answer is probably no, because he's going to want some money. Are the Browns going to pay more to him than they've paid to an entire linebacker room in an entire season? I'd say probably not. Just to give people an example, just what Jack's talking about. So if JOK was a free agent this year, right? I'm just going to kind of list some of the projected contracts that these guys, Levante David, who's 33 years old, we're talking $11 million a year. Tremaine Edmonds, who's considered kind of the top linebacker out there, $17.5 million a year average. David Long, $13.75 million a year. TJ Edwards, $13.5 million a year. Like, these are your linebackers where if I'm JOK, I'm stacking in that Bobby Okariki. You're talking eight and a half to $12.5 million a year this year. So, you know, it's going to go up, obviously. So you're talking about extensions for JOK north of 10 to, you know, 10, 12, 13, 14, $15 million. I, to your point, I just don't see how he gets that right now. I just, I don't see the Roquan Smith level impact that he can bring to a game, even though I've said repeatedly, Roquan Smith doesn't win games for teams. Yeah. And it comes down to he's average, what, about 550 snaps per season. Um, and people can say, oh, he's injured, but what is, well, is he suddenly going to become instantly healthy? Um, you look at a Tremaine Edmonds that I think hey, that, that's where he would love to be in that range. He's averaging 950 a season. Um, and yeah, he's, he's playing really, really well. Um, and I think that's the one where I look at it and I go, hey, his second deal is probably going to be around 10 mil a year. 
do I see that? And when people say, oh, well, just keep him for one year and see what he does in Schwartz's scheme. Well, his trade value now is at the highest it might ever be because he's got two rookie years left under control. So teams are going, hey, this is good. You offer a player out on one rookie year under control, you're generally seen as, hey, you're just getting rid of somebody. Um, do you really want them? Are you that committed? And that's kind of the key point where if you want to cash in on deals, you've got to do it with two years left because you're trading contracts. You're not trading players um, and they don't suddenly get hold of that player forever. So it's a difficult one, Joe. Okay. Um, he's, a, he's a good player. Um, I would easily say he's just above average, but are we paying just above average at a, a low value position? If you're just above average at edge, you're just above average at corner, hey, different discussion. Um, and I think that's where the problem lies. Yeah. And the other thing with JOK, and I think the the counter to the depreciating contract value argument is if he comes in and has kind of a year under Schwartz where the Browns are sitting there going, this isn't what we want to do long term. But maybe he makes a couple plays and all of a sudden gets some national attention. And there's a team that's like, boy, I really like to sign him as a free agent and I'm willing to pay him that much money. Well, the Browns can say, how about this? You trade us. Well, his his on the field value goes up, which ultimately leads to a team saying, this is a guy I would pursue in for agency. I'd rather just get him in the building now. Therefore, they're willing to trade you a year in advance. So whereas the contract value may diminish, the idea is I need the actual value of the player on the field to increase. That's the offset I can see. Whereas if a team really wants him. Yeah. And it is, it's, how would you go about replacing Joe K? You'd spend four million on a, a linebacker like Kezia White, like um, Denzel Perryman. So um, it can be done. Um, is he quite going to do all the funky stuff that Joe K does? No. But then you're going to get better at the other stuff that Joe K doesn't do as well. So it's a balancing game. Um, we'll jump into some of the other names. I don't think we need to spend that long on them. Tony Fields is just okay. I think he's just going to be your backup. Will do some special teams. Jacob Phillips, I expect just to... He's, he's on a bubble. Um, I would expect him to be gone, but hey, this team seemed to love him, so you don't rule it out. And Story Jackson, he's just trying to make the practice squad. Yeah, I mean, I think Phillips is obviously the one that people would talk about the most. Former third-round pick. A lot of speed, you know, has shown that when he's on the field, he does possess an ability to potentially make a play, but he consistently does not make plays and sometimes in the run game becomes a huge liability. You just hope with a guy like Jacob Phillips that somebody like Jim Schwartz or somebody whoever is brought in can figure out a way to unlock that potential. You know, we talk about that often with coaches and why certain guys go to certain places and unlock potential, you know, potential certain ways. That's really kind of our last hope with Jacob Phillips because this is his last year. He's going to be a free agent next year, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So... He, it's it's it is a put up or shut up type of year for JOK or for uh, Jacob Phillips, and it could easily be the case that we'll touch on um, some of the linebackers next that are free agents. That one of these injured guys, Jacob Phillips, there's someone they go actually we'll keep him around for the first six eight weeks while this person gets off the pup list or something like that, and then you can bring him through. Um, so he, he certainly has a route to make one of the six linebacker spots, but they're not going to be relying on him. Um, so first up is smart to do Anthony Walker um, was had a phenomenal start to the season 
and then it all hit a brick wall um, with his injury. But the advantage of an early injury, he should be fine and back for next season. Um, I think it's it's one that all signs point to him returning. Um, he's certainly well respected within that locker room. Yeah, I think to your point about injuries and JOK could apply to Walker. Obviously, we can't just assume that a guy with his level of an injury just steps back right in and you know performs at the level that he did. So realistically, it will tell you a lot about where the Browns feel he's at. If the Browns go out right away and lock him up and maybe even get an extension done before, because realistically, Jack, they can lock him up right now if they wanted. Yep. Yeah, they don't have to wait. So if you, we see a contract get done with him before the start of free agency, you know that they're really optimistic about where he's at in his recovery. However, if not, you just got to wonder, do they think he'll ever be able to get back to where he was? Because, I mean, let's be honest, he suffered a pretty serious injury. Yeah. So next up, we'll do the next other Mike Backer that we brought in on a min deal, gave up nothing in a trade, and that is Dion Jones. Um, he's okay. Um, I think someone is going to employ him to be a starting Mike linebacker, and I don't want that to be the Browns. That's nothing against him. Um, he, he was just okay, um, and he, he, he was useful. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not gambling on that guy as my starter. I think he came to Cleveland to do exactly what he wanted to do. He needed to get out of Atlanta. They could get rid of the contract. He needed to come somewhere. He was going to play some snaps. We had enough injuries. He could put some film on tape, tape on film, however you want to say it, um, on the field. And he's going to go sign somewhere else for more money. Thank you. Appreciate it, Deion Jones. But let's be honest, Jackie, I, I, I think his chances of returning are pretty, pretty slim. Yep, and then we've got Tacky Tacky is the final one we're going to touch on, who's an upcoming... Actually, there'll be one more I'll touch on. Um, so this is an interesting one because with how he was playing, he was never coming back. But then the moment he got injured, suddenly it reopens the door. Um, it just, I think, comes down to, are they going to value a Sam and third linebacker and need one? Um, because I think they could come to an agreement of like three mil where he, he comes in um, and he plays two and a half, three. Um, a one-year deal of going, hey, you're never going to be here long-term, but jump on the field, play for a year, and just build that value back up. But at the same time, how many Sam linebacker snaps were going on before if he wants to have a shot to prove himself as a Mike linebacker because that's where the money is? Why would he want to come back to Cleveland? I'm assuming you're talking about Reggie, Reggie, Reggie. No, this is Tacky Tacky. Oh, Taki. I thought you were talking. I thought you were going to Taki next. Yeah, it is a good question. I mean, now again, the question is, is unfortunately we can't transpose what these guys did from the years past into what the new defensive style is going to look like. So you ask about Sam, maybe he says, maybe Schwartz says, you know what? I want to play two heavy mics, you know, because realistically what you can do with a Sam, if you're going to play a lot of dime or you're going to play a lot of like, you know, cover fours and stuff, you can put two mics on the field. And just say, you know, the Sam, all that really is saying is he's on the strong side, right? The strong side linebacker. So if realistically I say, I like what Walker can do and I like what hockey can do as mics, then I kind of almost build it like a three, four inside linebacker scheme where I've got two mics that play on that inside. And then I use JOK as a roamer, as a star, as a nickelback, however I want to use him. So it just depends on what Schwartz is going to see in that. But again, how much of this, because you got to remember, Taki Taki was not drafted. He was the Elliott Wolf regime. He's been around quite a bit. 
what you know what ultimately comes of it. And if I'm not mistaken, he's older. If I'm not mistaken, because coming out of BYU, they we talk about guardrails. I don't think he'd have been drafted by this current Browns regime, especially as high as he was. Not a chance. He, he's basically the same age as Anthony Walker off the top of my head. Um, yeah, because I think he's like 27 or 28. Yeah. So, um, yeah, interesting. The next one I do want to touch on is Richie Raglan, um, who I would be more than happy with signing as my sort of backup Mike. But then at the same time, there was talks pre him coming out in the draft of could a team move him to Sam linebacker. Um, I think for me that that'd be sort of ideal. If we, we could just re-sign, give Anthony Walker, say four million, give Reggie Raglan one and a half mil. I hear, I'm happy with that. Yeah, I think you're looking at Walker, Ragland, and Taki Taki. I have a funny feeling two out of those three come back. And it could ultimately be where Walker is like, hey, I'm not ready. And they say, you know what? We're going to bring him back, put him on the pup, and then they're going to bring Taki and Ragland and let them play middle. You know, that they could do something along those lines. I mean, there are three guys where I think you understand what their capabilities are. And the other one's Jermaine Carter. I mean, I know he was here for a little while. In limited snaps, he was able to show you something, but they kept kind of kept kept him around. So I do think it's one of those ones where it'll be interesting to see how the scheme adapts what the Browns did in years past because they did get so much production out of those linebackers. Yeah, and I think it's one way. Effectively, you're looking for you're starting Mike, you're backup Mike. You've got JOK, you've got Fields. Um, you're then looking for a Sam, and you're looking for a special teamer. And that sixth guy has nothing to do with the linebacker room other than that, that's what it says on a piece of paper. Um, mm-hmm. He's there to play for Mike Prefer. And hey, you might cut that guy if you keep a third quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. And and who knows? Who knows? It could be one of those ones where they say, you know what? None of these guys are coming back. And Schwartz says there's a guy I want and they bring him in. That's always this possibility as well. Because if I'm not mistaken, David Long, the free agent, he's way out of our price range. But if I'm not mistaken, he was played under Schwartz when he was at Tennessee. Yep. So some names to potentially look at in free agency. So Anthony Walker's the the main guy. There's two other guys I want to throw out um, who I could see as linebacker options. Um, And actually it's like you're starting Mike linebacker. Um, There's two here. Let me just pull them up. Um, But yeah, I, I, I would say... You can never fully guarantee a free agent returning, but Anthony Walker's probably as closest as I can get to that. So the first one, if they don't get Walker, that I think makes the most sense, is Rashawn Evans. Um, with the Falcons at the moment, um, took a one-year prove-it deal last year and played really well. Um, I would be more than happy with Rashawn Evans coming in. Yeah, obviously drafted by Tennessee, so there's the connection there. He's played in the system. Um, and then the other one is Jalen Smith, um, who's at the Giants. Um, he's a solid veteran option. Um, I'd rather go that route than pay $11 million to a linebacker. Um, is it sexy? No. Is it fine? Yep. Um, yeah. More or less worth saying. For those that don't know, Jalen Smith was the linebacker out of Notre Dame that took the serious knee injury in the bowl game, was drafted. They were thinking he was going to be a top 10, top 15 pick, got drafted by the Cowboys in the second round. And it just never kind of has clicked. He's shown some splash plays, but just hasn't really been able to to live up to the hype he had at Notre Dame. But there's a couple other names out there that I'm just slightly interested in. But again, 
Jack, the thing with these is we're not a hundred percent sure where these numbers are going to fall. Cause I think if you're a linebacker trying to hit another deal, you're going to try to find these one year and two year options where you can come in and make yourself a, a, a decent shot at a next contract. The kid out of the San Francisco 49ers, he's projected kind of the same area as Perriman. And that's that Aziz Al-Shahir, or Shahir, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. He's a little bit more of a pass-rushing linebacker, a little bit more of a speed. I'd be curious if, you know, all of a sudden Walker's not ready and they're not really sold on Taki and they want a little bit more of a pass rush. This is a guy that was buried. We always talk about opportunities for guys that are buried behind linebackers. Well, he's buried behind Warner and Greenlaw who are both paid in San Francisco. So it's not that they don't want him back. They just literally cannot afford him. So he's a guy I would take a look at. This is a guy, another guy, top 10 pick, traded up to get him, has been an absolute dud. However, I'd be curious. I'll I'll, I'll look at it. Devin Bush. Steelers obviously traded up to get him. This is a Michigan guy. Obviously, our first inclination as Browns fan is, well, he couldn't work with the Steelers defense. He's clearly not going to work here. Well, it could just be that sometimes the Steelers don't, you know, turn all their chicken shit into chicken salad, right? It just could be one of those ones. But this is a guy with a high athletic profile. This is a guy that was sought after in the draft. He has skill sets, things you can't do. So these are guys, obviously, we're talking about in lieu of our current guys. I think Jack and I are both saying we'd be very happy bringing back you know, some of these guys to be starters that are on the roster. But if we are stepping in saying, hey, we are going to have to replace these guys with starter caliber, Bush is somebody that I would consider at least kicking the tires on. Another guy I, I like, I like, when I watch this guy play, I'm like, man, I really like this guy. I think he's going to be too rich for my blood, but I'll be curious to see what he gets contract wise. And that's Drew Tranquil, the kid from the Chargers. Yeah, he, he's too to get paid. Well, but they're saying if you look at uh, at which we call it PFF's forecast, it says three years, seven million a year, but only twelve guaranteed. So it could be one of those ones where if he's looking for an opportunity again, I there, I don't linkages and stuff to D coordinator. I just really like the way that Drew Tranquil plays. He finally got his ability to come out this year and play, and I thought, I mean, his snaps went like I think double, and I thought he performed well. Um, some of the other names, obviously Robert Spillane oh, like. as an Spillane was a guy with the Steelers that people talked about. He's shown at least his ability in blitz protection. Alex Anzalone, the crazy mop headed guy from Florida that was with the Lions. If you watched uh, Hard Knocks, you got a little experience with him. I mean, these are guys that are just going to come in and give you, you know, balls of the wall, all out play. A veteran that I know that's out there. I don't know how interested he would be, but we obviously know his link with Stefanski is Anthony Barr was with the Vikings for all those years, then went to the Cowboys. He's a veteran. These are the type of guys I could see them going out and looking after. So it's a guy I really like the look of. Um, he Obviously, I've just did my guys that could be starters. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy was taken in the sixth round um, with the Chiefs and then more recently with Arizona. And that is a guy called Ben Neiman. Um, yep, ben he, Neiman had, yep. he had sort of a breakout year um, in his last season. And why I sit here and warn about, hey, avoid breakout years. It's risky. Um, that's for the like 10 million plus guys. When I'm potentially paying like two, two and a half mil, I'm up for breakout years and a little bit of risk. He's got a 9.51 relative athletic score. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was a freak athletic linebacker coming out of Iowa. Yeah. 
and that that's a guy that I'd be like, yeah, I'm, I, I'm wanting to take the risk on that and seeing where it goes. And um, there's another one I liked the look of Cole Holcomb and missed the second half of season to injury, which could just by that rule him out. And then just some like throw something at the wall and see what he does. EJ Speed, who's with the Colts, is someone I would love to bring into camp and see what he can offer. Um, it's the first time he's gone over 150 snaps, but they were really good. Um, so that's the sort of stuff that, hey, let's take a gamble on what he can do. Um, because, yeah, it's, it's it's that upside that I want to gamble on. I, I, give me someone that's athletic, shown some flashes, and, hey, it might all end in tears, but I don't care. Um, and then some other guys, Jordan Kunisic um, is someone that could come back. Um, they obviously don't they don't see him as a linebacker, but he said, well, his camp, maybe he will be back in Cleveland for next season. So that's something that don't rule it out as they get to the end of the offseason and they just need a sixth a linebacker, special teams guy, bring him in. Chris Board at the Lions. I've, I've got special. one for you, Jack. I'm curious. And Zeke Turner is my last one. Zeke, yeah. Zeke Elliott might be a free agent here soon too. All right, I got one for you. This is a guy was drafted. So Schwartz was in Philly 16 through 20. We talked about this guy a couple years ago. Kamu Grieger Hill. So if you remember, he was drafted by the Eagles in 16, played with Schwartz all through his tenure at the Eagles, and then as a free agent went, I think he had stops in Miami, Texans, and then was recently with the Cardinals. This is a guy that specializes in kind of a coverage aspect linebacker. But in terms of, I, I drew a couple, a little bit of a pin chart with certain guys and Gruger Hill, Grieger Hill, Camu Grieger Hill was a guy that I know is familiar with Schwartz's system. So if you're looking for a cheap veteran that can come in, understands the defense, he may be a guy to just kind of right off to the side because, you know, he is 29 in limited productions. You'll see, I know you're looking at his PFF scores, Jack, you'll see there's certain things he's pretty good at. So when we talk about, like what you're able to do as a linebacker, he's a guy that I would just keep an eye on. I got yeah, no inside thing, information on that, by the way. The other thing to keep in mind with him is there is some really good production that he had when he was with the Eagles, Eagles. and then he struggled since. Yep. Um, and that's one that don't rule that out and just look at what he's done recently. Look at that. We'll look at his time under game. Schwartz. So that's one of those ones where I just remember when he was a free agent, there was people that were like, oh, he might be able to get him cheap. And then he was signing like these three and a half million dollar deals. And you're like, wait, I mean, that's that's a, that's pricey for him. And when he went to Houston, they kind of put him in this hybrid odd role. And he just kind of fell away, I would say, is kind of the best way I could put it. But yeah, this this was a guy. Something to think about. I. uh when I looked at him, I was like, I think he was with the Eagles with Schwartz. And I looked into it. And yeah, he had four pretty good years with the Eagles. Yeah. Obviously, one of them, I'm sorry, he'd only played like one snap his first year as a rookie. But like that second, third, as he's as they were giving him more snaps, it's a guy that they got cheap veteran minimum. Yeah, if if there's some guys I could go out, I would love to get Walker locked in. Um, I would take Neenan and I would take EJ Speed and Reggie Ragland. Stick that all in a room and go, hey, whatever happens, I'm happy with it. Do you realize because you just if... built an entire linebacker room for cheaper than one year of a JOK extension? 
exactly. <laughs> and that's kind of the point. It's like, hey, I, I would need to guarantee Neiman and Walker so their their spots would be locked in. But then I'm going, hey, if I'm there with Speed and um, who, who's the other guy? Um, board, board, ne- Neiman. Uh, one of those guys. Neiman, uh, Ragland, then I'm in a good spot. But um, yeah, that's it for this show. Um, I'll say linebackers, baby. We got Bill Musgrave and linebackers. If that's not good for your money, mo- your Monday morning, I don't know what else is. I mean, we're talking about bringing the life, bringing the heat here on the Mondays. Hey, fun never stops. Absolutely. So we'll be, there's starting to be some moves in the NFL, Jack. So I think with the combine, all those agents are going to be there. We're going to start getting some news. These coaches are coming and leaking and talking and all that stuff. I love it. The NFL season come March 1st, man, just it goes from 25 to 35 to 45 mile an hour. You know, we're going to we're just going to keep escalating kind of like Miles Garrett. And should have some info on uh, Jakeem Grant if you keep an eye out tomorrow. Yeah, it's about time you did some algebra work in here and got their math right. But no, go Browns. Go Browns.